because he is gracious, wonderful, mighty, I can offer a hymn of grateful praise to him. We are continuing our series, and The Joy of Knowing. It's our study in the Epistle of 1 John. And so would you turn there, Epistle of 1 John, to John chapter 2, verse 7. John chapter, 1 John chapter 2, verse 7. Last time we met together, we saw certain tests that can inform us regarding our knowing God. And John gave us uh, tests uh, so that we might know that a person knows God or abides in God. And uh, the first test that we saw um, was in verse 3, the test to see if one knows God. And uh, we saw that test, the test of obedience. We saw that the test of obedience, if one knows God, he will keep God's commandments. The second test we saw, we called the test of imitation, but the second test was, you'll know that you are abiding in Christ if you live like Christ does. You'll live like Jesus. You imitate Him. And today we're going to see that third test. Let's read our text together in verse 7, and then we will pray and ask God's help to understand His Word today. Verse 7, Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and true light, the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's bow in prayer. Ask God's help in knowing how to fulfill his word today. Gracious God, by, your, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would meet with us. We need your presence. As we indeed seek your face, we need you to meet with us. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, may we understand your word. We cannot without you. And so as I speak, my words are not important, but your word. The eternal settled word of God is what is important. So let that Make its mark in our hearts. Let us understand. Let us be consumed by it. Let it be a part of us. And so, God, may we fulfill your word, live in your light. And so, may we reflect the light of Jesus to those around us. Which in Christ's name I pray. Amen. This morning, a third. And final test. A third and final test of whether you know God or a person knows God or not. Now, as we've mentioned before, John is writing to kind of a, a pre Gnostic uh, thought in the church, on the churches that he's writing to. He's addressing that. Those people would say there's a mystical knowledge that separates soul from body, 
And so I have that mystical knowledge. And because I have the mystical knowledge, we, we understand from what John is writing, people were saying, I don't have to be part of the body. Or secondly, I don't have to worry about sin. I can commit all the sin I want because it's in the body. It doesn't touch my spirit. It's my spirit, spirit special. And so John is writing this to us, just as Paul has written and Peter has written, of how we are to live in such a way to glorify God. And how we are to know, specifically John is writing, that we are in Christ. We abide in him. So we come to our third test. And that is, beloved, he says, to, to, let this, to, to set this off, I am writing to you, I'm not writing to you a new commandment. Now, he starts with beloved. And this is a, a characteristic of John. He loves those. He expresses that often as he writes. He says, beloved, I am not writing you a new commandment. But, but, but wait, why are you writing it then? And he's going to say in a second, but an old commandment, which you've had from beginning. And then verse 8, he's going to say, but a, but a new commandment. What is John saying here? Well, let's, let's think about it. He says it's not new in the sense that it's the pre-Gnostic or the, the Gnostic sense of, oh, I have a new word from God. It's not new in that sense. It's something that Christ has already spoken to him. So an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning, some would say, maybe it reaches all the way back to Leviticus, love your neighbor, I think John is more specifically talking to the beginning when Christ imparted the gospel truth to them. So for John's time, probably about 60 years back, from the beginning of when he heard Jesus speak, and from the very beginning when his, those who are reading his word, his letter that John is writing, when those heard the first news of the gospel and how God had worked and brought them to themselves, this This is not new. This is from the foundational for them. It's not a new word. It's foundational in the sense of an old commandment that they've had from the beginning of when they came to Christ. However, he's going to give another characteristic of this. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you. This is new, but how is it new? Well, it's new in the sense that it is new because it is fresh and light from their old ways. This is a new commandment. It's a change from their old ways before they came to know Christ. And this commandment is true in Him, is true in Jesus, and in you. And now it is true in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. What happens when someone comes to Christ? The darkness begins to pass away. You're saved. You're placed in the body of Christ, the family of God. And you're part of that body. And Christ has regenerated your heart. You're a new person. Now there is the old sin nature hanging around. But as you walk with God, as God does a work in your heart, the darkness is passing away. You're not being called to walk in darkness, but in walk in light. And this is the light of Christ. That light that has already been shining. The light of Christ, the light of God is shining. And as we become more like Christ, the darkness passes away from our hearts. And so here's the characterization. Jesus is light. God is light. And Jesus is love. And so here's a new commandment he's going to write to him. And as John does, he gives you both sides, the understanding, a negative and a positive. So he says in verse 9, the one who says he is in the light, so here's the claim, hey, I'm in the light. I'm one of God's and yet hates his brother, is in the darkness till now. Wait, John, John what, what are you saying? You're saying that I can claim to say I am in God, I am in the light, yet I am 
hating my brother, then light really hasn't touched me. I've not been changed. I am not, and that's exactly what John is saying. He's saying, if you make this claim, in verse 9, if you make the claim, I am in the light, I've received the cleansing from sin, the grace-giving, spiritual relationship with Jesus, yet, he says, and the words here, that you hate your brother, this is an ongoing hatred, you're not. So the third test that we see is that the one who loves God, who knows God, exhibits a love for other believers. When we know God, we know we love other believers. Number one, if we, are in the, if we know God, we keep His commandments. Number two, if we're in the light, then we live in the same manner Jesus does. We, we imitate Jesus and how He lived, become more and more like Him. Number three, when we know God, it's an act of ongoing love for fellow believers. Hating your brother. Now, just for clarity, the brother is not the neighbor of Leviticus. This is the one who is in God's family. And notice the progression in there. It's the knowing, in verse 3 of chapter 2, it, it's that personal knowledge. This is the one who's saying, I know I have experienced God. I've experienced Christ. It's the abiding. I am remaining and abiding, continuing to live in Christ. And now back, this one is in the light. And the one who is in the light does not hate the brother. See, being in the light does not equal hating your brother. And the, the, word, the phrasing here in, the, in the, the original language is that this is a continual ongoing hatred. This is not a momentary flash of anger and then confession. This is... My mindset is hatred toward this person who is another believer. He says, if you are hating another believer, then you yourself are not a believer. If you are characterized by this act of ongoing hatred, you are not a believer. You are not in the light. John, that's pretty strong words. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's this this progression that that John is setting forth, forth is... It's not just a claim that I've come to Christ. I can't just say, raise my hand, I'm a Christian. And you go on and live as you desire. Is that When you become a follower of God, wow, there's fundamental and, and tremendous change in the heart and life. Things are different now. So the one who hates is not a believer. You might know someone like this, or maybe you are this person. There's an utter fixation, an utter hatred toward an individual or a group of individuals. And so the claim that I'm a believer really doesn't add up. It's not there. And you'll hear this, oh, I'm exposing the corruption. But you see the continual drip, drip of hate belies the idea that you're a believer. You see, a believer, it's not righteous indignation. That's not what's happening because a believer seeks to entreat another believer and call them to repentance if that's the case. A believer seeks to reconcile with another believer to pour out his heart and beg for reconciliation if there is a, a fault in the relationship. A believer does not stand and cry from the loudest tower or from the largest Facebook post, this believer is a hateful person because they don't like me or whatever it is. That's not a believer. 
A believer goes to that one and says, how can we reconcile? Or if that one is in sin, look, I come humbly, Galatians 6, meekly. Help me understand what's going on in your heart. What's going on? doesn't seem that the work of God is, is in your heart. Or, man, you wronged me, or I wronged you. See the difference in attitude and change in the heart when Christ has entered, when the light's in you? It's no longer a hatred, it's a love and a care and a seeking to reconcile because we are Christ, we're in the same family. And that does not do away with any bit of loving your neighbor. Obviously, love God, love others. This is the relationship that we have as believers with each other. And he says that in the verse 9. He says, um, the one who says he's in the light yet hates his brother is in darkness to now. And Kistemaker in his, um, his commentary says, he believes it's John's tactful way of leaving the door open that this person may repent and come to the light. But if that one, if we continue in that, in light does not equal hating a brother or sister in Christ. And the word here is a very general word uh, for those in the body of Christ. So that's the negative. He contrasts that and he says this is what it looks like. Verse 10. So the one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. The one who loves his brother. And that's the word that we understand. Agapao there here. A love that is characterized by self-sacrifice. One that is characterized by putting the other first. It's in the light abiding this one who continues to remain in Christ. Their desire is for the good of the other. other. Their desire is to bring that one into relationship with them as well as in Christ. Sad fact is we often love and we expect something in return. Kind of a quid pro quo. You do for me, I'll do for you. You scratch my back, I scratch you. You bring me coffee, I'll bring you coffee. Or cinnamon rolls or whatever that may be. Um, And that's not love. That is not the love that John's speaking of here. Love is, is very different. So I believe our, our concept of love is fundamentally flawed. A lot of ways. The scripture instructs us, but love revol- often revolves around us. And how it makes us feel. How it benefits me. I love how loving you makes me feel so good. Really? That's not love. That's not love. I love you because you do nice things for me. That's not love. See, love is kind of messy, gritty. We love people in the body of Christ, and yes, those outside the body of Christ without desire for uh, reciprocation. We love them because Christ first loved us. We don't love them to get something or to receive something. We love them because we're commanded to love them because they're in the body of Christ and because we were unlovely and God loved us. And the pride of our heart says, we don't recognize that we're unlovely too. And they're working just as hard to love us at most time. But we were unlovely. 
You see, the light changes our understanding of love. Being in the light, being in Christ, abiding in Him, knowing God and experiencing His love must fundamentally change our understanding of how we love one another. And we must allow God's love to reign and rule in our hearts so that we might love others. We cannot love on our own here. Many of us failed and tried. All of us have failed and tried. And there is no cause for stumbling. It says, probably best understood, Psalm 119, 165. It says, those who love your law have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. The idea of not stumbling... um, Either not putting a stumbling block in front of someone else or not stumbling because of our poor love. When we love properly, we don't stumble. So the third test of a believer is this love for other believers. This third test is is an acid test that we can see if we're honest with ourselves and our hearts. See, a lot of times we hold on a lot of stuff. We hold on to stuff. And it may be not active hatred here, but here where those who are believers can do a checkup for themselves is that we have continual animosity. Somewhere. Maybe it's not an act of hatred. We're not, we're not torching them on Facebook or one of the social media, and we're not egging their house. But we have that kind of low, rumbling bitterness there. This is our, our checkup here. Do we love others, even when we are wronged, just as Christ loved us. And that's difficult. Humanly, that's difficult. And that is indeed why we need the grace of God. We need the grace of God in loving others as Christ loved us. And John doesn't stop there because he returns to the negative in verse 11 just to kind of hammer it home again. This is about the one who hates his brother. The one who hates his brother. Just in case you were kind of not quite sure what he said earlier in, in verse uh, 9. The one who hates his brother, notice the three phrases, is in darkness. Is in spiritual darkness. We can understand that to be. He is in that darkness. Number two, he doesn't know where he is going. Oh, sorry, number two, walks in darkness. Got ahead of myself. Walks in darkness. He's in darkness. He's walking in darkness. That means the, remember the walk and the live? Uh, That's how John and the New Testament writers talk about living your life. He's living in darkness. Not only is he in darkness, spiritual darkness, he's living in it. He's deep deep down in, and that's that's where he's, he's there. But the sad fact is the third one, he doesn't know where he is going. Because darkness has blinded his eyes. It's that self-deception. Self-deceived, we saw in the previous chapter, previous verses. The self-deception where, hey, I think I know where I'm going. And I really don't. Kind of like men and directions. Um, But it's a very sad fact. It's the, the one who says, I'm a believer. I know God. Surely I do. But yet... He is in sin. He is not received of Christ, a regenerating work. He is walking in sin. He's living it out. And he is blind to the fact that he is. And how do we know that? When this one is actively hating his brother, his sister, her sister in Christ. 
wait a second. John, do you really mean that? I mean, but, but I love Jesus. I'm one of God's. And many will say, hey, I know you. I'm one of yours. And he'll say, depart from me, you who work iniquity. I never knew you. See, what John is doing, he's saying that to abide in the light in the first, first chapter of 1 John, that there is a wonderful thing that God has done for each of us who are in Christ the wonderful work of salvation. We are now in the light. We abide. We know Him. And the one who knows keeps the commandments of God. He keeps the Word of God. He lives like Jesus lived. He lives and walks that way. And He is known. She is known by loving other believers. And the test is for all of us. Understand, He's writing to those who... He doesn't want to be swayed by the false teachers. That's who he's writing to. He wants them to know, to to judge, make righteous judgment. God does command us to do that. To make righteous judgments of what's going on so that we are not deceived. And he says, for us to understand who is it that is not part of Christ. Who's not in the light. And to check up on ourselves. This is not very complicated. This is not really all that profound and hard. But what it is we see around us is is the tragedy of those who claim to be in Christ, and yet they exhibit none of these signs. And for us to work, to take a look, a little bit of introspective, I'm not that at all. You who know me. I don't sit around gazing at my hands. That's just not me. Bless you who are. You think a whole lot more than I do. But John is saying, look, make righteous judgments. Turn the light on yourself. Allow the light of God's word to reflect upon you. See if you are in him, in the light. And understand that when God comes to a heart and life, there is dramatic change. When God comes to the the life, there is a joy in knowing Jesus. The joy of knowing God's love results in a love for believers. See, the joy of knowing God comes, yes, with the joy of experiencing the work of God in your heart and life. But there also is the joy of knowing God and the joy of loving, experiencing the love of other believers. See, what God has called to us in this messy thing that God has called church, and He ordained the church. Sometimes we hear uh, those who cry, I don't want to be part of the church anymore because it's flawed and it's broken. And yes, it is, but it is Christ-ordained. To sit in groups, small or large, together and to worship Speaking to yourself in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5, Colossians 3. To read God's word, we see the mark of Acts 2. They're coming together, they're eating, they're, they're in God's word together. And God was adding this part of church. In our context here, we said, and unfortunately, we're all looking at me and not at me and each other. I kind of like it in the round, you know. Um, we sit, and if we're not careful, we see that church is one way. 
And yes, I get my 30 minutes, 35 sometimes, sometimes 40. I get my time on Sunday, but you know what? You come here to minister to other people, to love one another. What an opportunity, what a benefit and joy that God has given to us. We realize people are, are flawed just like us. We don't mind so much ministering to them, to love them as Christ loved us. And yes, we will receive love from other believers. And that is the side benefit. But here, love is active. It's a sign that you and I are in the light. There is no room for active, ongoing hatred in the life of the believer. So the question is, are you abiding in Christ? The phrase, do you know God? Are you in the light? How would you answer to these three tests? As we looked the first week, keeping the commandments is, is just the honest walking with God and obeying His Word as He leads us. Living like Jesus is taking up my cross and following Him and say, God, would you use me as you see fit? Doesn't matter where it is. Put me somewhere. Doesn't matter what I do. Give me the opportunity. Living the light is saying, I love my brother and sister in Christ. God is great. He's given me the opportunity. And God is light. So do you have the joy of knowing God today? Is He in you? Do you love your brother and sister in Christ? See, it's time for us to do the hard work. Make the test. Let the light shine. You and I will understand the joy of knowing our great God and the joy of knowing and loving other believers. Let's bow for prayer. God, a simple message. One that's not complicated in the sense of understanding, but one that sometimes is easier said than done. And, oh God, I pray that by your power and your spirit, we would see the truth of God's word. And, Father, secondarily, if there are relationships that we as believers need to repair, would we be obedient in repairing those? Oh, God, I pray if there is one here today that does not know Jesus, is not in the light, maybe they think they do. But they would look at those tests and say, boy, I'm, I'm not meeting it. I failed the exam. Would you, by your grace, O oh God, and your mercy, draw them to yourself. Help them to see that Jesus has paid for their sin. 
He is ready to rescue them and free them from the change of their sin, to free them from the unrest and weariness, and give them His rest. Father, may we respond to You. May You do a work in our hearts. It's in Christ in my prayer. Amen. Heads bowed.